your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special 502nd episode of Lockdown Canadians. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms. And today's episode is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head to head fantasy matchups. Winner take all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash hockey and use promo code hockey for 100% deposit match. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matland. As always, I am joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. And before we get into the second part of our very special Fancy Pants book club with Sean Fitzgerald of The Athletic and so many other places, Laura, we have a little bit of GM news, but not a lot of GM news, but enough that it's definitely worth talking about. Uh, Martin Brodeur is not leaving New Jersey, to which one, I did not know he was back in New Jersey. I thought he was still working in (laughs) St. Louis. And two, uh, that's one French-Canadian former goalie down that we don't want as GM and one to go, right? Yes. And I have to say, though, like, did you miss when the ugly New Jersey jersey jerseys came out? Uh, last week, they blamed it on Martin Brodeur. <laughs> yeah, apparently it was his idea, which I went, okay, if this was actually his idea, then like, then immediately disqualified. We're just going to get a jersey that says Habs on it. Is he like, I'm a genius. And like, no, no, stop no. that. Uh, so. Well, the thing is like, I like he's a beloved figure, right? And so he. It depends on who know. you ask. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a beloved figure in multiple markets. How about that? In New Jersey and a lot of people in Montreal obviously do love and respect him as he is, you know, a hometown boy. Uh, but why would you taint that? with a stint as GM of the Montreal Canadiens. Like the longer time passes and the more I think about who is right for this job, it has to be somebody that is either prepared to become unpopular or for somebody who is just, is literally so good at managing that whatever they do, you know, they're going to bring success to this market and, um, you know, they're like, I find that you, your choices are either to have a really thick skin and not worry about your legacy, or you have to just be a good manager and be successful. And obviously, like when they're looking, when they're doing the hunt, there's a lot of people that are beyond that are going to be on the table, a lot of names on the table that we don't know if they could be successful or not. Maybe they would be in a first time position or anything like that. But when you are somebody like, Martin Brodeur or even Patrick Roy. Like in my mind, I think Patrick Roy had tainted his legacy already. So there was no, there was no problem with that. Right. Like anything he does after quitting on the Montreal Canadians and when he returns, all of that is always welcome. Right. He's got that. He, he, his legacy was, un, it was the other way around. It was, it was tainted. And then now it's fixed. Right. If you have a positive, uh, if you enjoy positive uh, love from this city, from this market, why would you go ahead and then try and manage this team knowing the challenges that are ahead of you and knowing that if you fail, 
that love goes away. That goodwill goes away. Your legacy is forever tainted. Just look at some former players that we will not name that were good. And they're part of some really good teams. And then they made some grave mistakes managing the team or coaching the team. And now when you hear their name, instead of them being revered former Montreal Canadians, they are people that this market, you hear the name and they spit. And the thing about Brodeur is I, again, didn't know he was back in New Jersey. I thought he was just kind of doing some behind the scenes stuff in St. Louis still is it's, it's fine. Like just cause you worked in the NHL doesn't mean you're qualified as a former player and as Martin Brodeur who's played for a billion years and has seen everything that's all well and good, but I don't know what he does for the devils. It, it's, I was talking to our friend Ian. He's like, I don't know what Matthew Darsh does for the lightning. And I'm like, well, he's in a similar role to where Julian Breezeball was when he got there. So I assume he's kind of an understudy just because you were a former player doesn't mean you're a good manager or a good coach. Wayne Gretzky tried to coach and he was terrible at it. Like we've seen, and we talked about it with Andrew Berkshire is that, you know, Julian Breezeball wasn't a high level hockey player. Like that's fine. So I'm kind of curious to see what happens next. Jeff Gordon is in Montreal. He's actually at the rocket game while we were recording that, taking in that for the first time. I'm sure he's probably meeting with uh, Jean-Francois Houle and his coaching staff, getting a look at some of the prospects there to see what is uh, going on with that team. And he speaks to the media Friday. So we will have that going into our Monday episode, unless something crazy drastic happens. And then maybe we'll do an emergency podcast over the weekend, but I'm very curious to see what the decision-making process in, because I, I still keep hearing Daniel Briere's name a lot. I keep hearing Matthew Darsh and Martin Madden are very popular. I can't help but think there's a dark horse candidate out there. And I wouldn't mind seeing some, you know, uh, them do what Toronto did and where they brought in uh, women to work within the organization. Um, and I, I can't believe I'm forgetting her name. Laura, who's the greatest hockey player in Canada in Canadian history? And I can't remember her name. And I'm going to get yelled at for this. I'm in the market for a new co-host. I. Well, <laughs> her name is Haley Wickenheiser. Thank She's you. Beat the I, U.S. so many times. Yeah. She should well, be burned into your nightmares. No, it's repressed like the rest of my nightmares and anxieties. Like there's so many great female hockey players in Montreal. And Jared Book mentioned Daniel Sauvageau, who was, I believe, working with the Montreal Stars and Le Canadien when they were in the CWHL. There's experience there, high-level experience that can bring another viewpoint. I'd love to see them bring in some of these players. Uh, Carolyn Ouellette is in Montreal. There's so much experience there that I want them to think outside the box on this. Don't just go old male hockey player, good. Think outside the box here. Do what you can to fully round out your lineup and everything else. So we will obviously have so much more on this as it develops. So unless anything crazy happens, uh, we will be back with uh, the mailbag on Friday. And then we will have more on Monday after the weekend, our three up, three down, and so much more depending on the news. But coming up in our next segment, it is part two of our sit down with Sean Fitzgerald from The Athletic talking about his time and everything, his time with the Peterborough Peets and everything that entailed in his book. You're not going to want to miss it. So stay tuned for that. No one plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Winning feels so much better, but traditional fantasy sports are a long term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against. 
Stat Hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head to head fantasy matchups, winner take all. And here's the crazy part Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play, and you handpick the team you want to face one on one. This never before seen innovation of a fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clocking the odds that are over four times better. And right now, you can sign up for free at stathero.com slash hockey and use promo code hockey for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash hockey and use promo code hockey for a 100% match. That's one more time, stathero.com slash hockey and promo code hockey. Terms and conditions apply. As always, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day here at Locked On Canadians. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms. So there's also the context of actually following a team throughout first the playoffs and then I guess the next season was supposed to be the, the promising <laughs> season, right? Yep. <laughs> and so what was that like? I feel like a lot of people want to know, like, what's it like hanging out with a bunch of, they are teenagers, right? Like they're... Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they're playing hockey, they're traveling, a lot of them have, um, you know, they're going through a lot of stuff, and then there's disappointment, and there's the pressure and stuff, and here we talk about, you know, the Montreal Canadiens, <laughs> and sometimes it's very easy to forget that all of these players, that before they get to the NHL, they had to go through a lot of systems like the Peets. Well, in the case of Montreal, it, it was the Peets. The Peets were, you know, initially a Montreal farm team, basically. That's why you have, you know, names like Bob Gainey come through there, Scotty Bowman coach through there. Um, it was a pipeline directly. In fact, you know, before they had the maroon and white, they were the red, white, and blue as well as a tribute <laughs> to the Canadians. That's, that was their, that was their initial Jersey. Um, it was ugly as sin, but I mean, that's what it was. <laughs> it just, it, it wasn't the color scheme. It was just the logo. It was really strange. Um <laughs> But yeah, like I never, again, never played hockey. I, you know, when I got my first job, it, it, I never really spent time on the buses. Um, and again, you know, by the time the reporting started, I'd, I'd been really fortunate enough to get a really um, fun opportunity to join, you know, the athletic the sports journalism startup then out of San Francisco. So, you know, any initial plan of, you know, maybe relocating to Peterborough for a few months at a time, you know, like Buzz Bissinger did in Odessa, Texas, when he was reporting Friday Night Lights, it sort of became a part-time thing. So I'd, I'd drive up three or four times a week and, and spend time with them. There was a lot, there was a lot more reporting and learning that, you know, I wish I'd had a chance to do, but yeah, I mean, spending time on the buses, uh, the Pete's, you know, had, you know, investment uh, bankers come in uh, to talk about, you know, Hey, you're going to start getting money soon. How do you handle it? Um, they had, um, counselors, um, you know, uh, clinical um, uh, social work, uh, clinical social workers um, come out and talk about, um, hey, look, you know, if you're feeling not great, that's okay. Um, know it's okay. And know that, you know, we're here to talk, um, know where to go. Um, if somebody in your friend group isn't feeling okay. So a lot of things um, that teenagers learn, um, I was able to sort of be a fly on the wall for it and yeah, travel on the buses and, you know, hit on, you know, hang out for team meals again, off to the side, just sort of watching them interact. And it was really, really fascinating because I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous, but you know, we watch the world juniors every year. We watch junior hockey. And when those kids are out there with their helmets and their, their face shields and their shoulder pads, they look like miniature NHLers, but then, 
you know, one of my favorite spots to hang out was in the hallway just outside the home team's dressing room in Peterborough. And that's where the moms and dads and partners and friends would hang out. And, you know, after about 30 minutes, these kids would get out of their gear and they'd have a shower and they'd come out in their, their, their nice dress shirt, and their tie. And um, you realize that they're just teenagers. They're kids. Like if they had a bad game, you can see them get all flushed and a little teary as, you know, mom gives them a hug and a pat on the back and um, see them goof around with their friends and um, these big bruising dudes who go out there and, you know, punch people in the face. Although that doesn't happen as much in junior hockey, thank goodness. But, um, you know, be really sweet and tender around their partners and, you know, get hacked on and, and chirped for their haircuts and that sort of thing. So um, that was one thing that I really learned that I, I guess I hadn't fully appreciated is that, you know, in junior hockey, you know, by and large, these are still just teenagers. I, I was going to say, because I've been listening to everything and it's, it's fascinating to me because I was going to ask, it's junior hockey and like these are developing teenagers. These are kids like yep. emotions run higher. Like you don't see a lot of NHL players like, I mean, outside of like Stanley Cup finals and stuff like that. Everyone's very stoic. It's what is it like to witness that? Like, it's got to be tough. Like you're an impartial person that you're just kind of watching, but you know, you spend enough time with these and it's like, I don't want to say they're like a family, but like an extended family that you've, you know, kind of ingrained yourself with. Is it tough to see that when they're having, you know, you have a player who's slumping or struggling or just, you know, they lost a tough game and everyone's real broken up about that. That's, it feels like it hurts so much more stings so much more for these players because they're younger and, they, they haven't gotten used to that kind of thing yet, I would think. There's a couple of sides to that one, and it's really interesting. I want to get, I mean, it's a really, really, really good question. I'm going to try and not to run for 30 minutes on the answer, but like um, on the personal side, yeah, like Dylan Wells was the goaltender there. And, you know, he was in the discussion for the world junior team that year. Um, super sweet kid. Like um, there's a little, uh, there's a 10 year old kid who was a goalie in Peterborough minor hockey. And, you know, before the games, um, it was, remember the, the mini Nika, Nika Kiprasov in like 2004, the kid in Calgary who sort of emulated Nika Kiprasov and his weird ticks and all of the things. Like there was a kid <laughs> who did that for Dylan Wells in Peterborough. And instead of just signing an autograph, like Dylan Wells would go and like have lunch with the kid and his dad and his mom. Um, and would invite the kid in and do a whole bunch of really cool stuff. And um, just a super sweet kid who had the really, you know, bad misfortune of playing behind a team that completely dissolved that year. Um, I still follow developments. Like I, you know, his mom and I follow each other on Twitter. Uh, we'll still have, you know, interactions, check in. I hope that kid, I mean, he's, he's, you know, a couple rungs below the NHL right now, but I hope, I hope one day he wins three Vesna trophies in a row. You know what I mean? Like, so that to your point, like, yeah, I, I, again, you know, journalistically supposed to have a detachment and, you know, I'm, I'm 20 years into this thing and generally I have, but yeah, my guard went down quite a bit and I, I did develop um, a real admiration and fondness for, for these guys. Like um, Dylan Wells was one. I mean, Nick Robertson is, from such a remarkable family um, that I've been able to maintain some contact with. Um, so there is that side. Absolutely. The other thing that I found fascinating, Scott was, I mean, <laughs> uh, they're teenagers and they're still learning. And a lot of the stuff they're learning is <sighs> a lot of bullshit hockey culture stuff. And I'm not talking like we've, we're in a really serious, meaningful, much needed discussion about hockey culture and the changes. I didn't see anything of that 
seriousness, but, you know, in a much minor key, you know, things like after a loss, this performative stoicism, right? Like that, you know, after a loss, it has to be literally the worst day of your life for about three hours until you get away from everybody, right? So like after a loss on the road in Saginaw in October, um, like you're not allowed to talk on the bus for 30 minutes or until a coach says it's okay. Like it's a game, you lost a game tough shit. Like it happens, right? Like, um, but that's part of the code. That's part of what it is to be, you know, in a junior hockey team that you lost as a team and maybe you had a great game or, you know, whatever. I mean, you're going to lose games, but you have to be quiet or else it's somehow seen as disrespectful. There are little tiny ticks like that that you pick up on. They're like, oh yeah, this is where all that starts. It's funny is because you talked about high school football and all that other things. Like I, I was a two sport varsity athlete and it's like, if you won the bus ride home from whatever in the locker room was, it was a party. Everyone's having fun. Everyone's jumping around and making fun. But if you lost, whether it was by one point or a hundred points, it's uh, nobody say literally anything. Like even if you sneezed on the bus, everyone's just glaring at you. And it's interesting to see how that just kind of goes across. And it, like you said, it's performative stoicism. Like you're allowed to, you know, be, you should be allowed to kind of be a kid in that regard. It's like they're teenagers after all. Well, like, I mean, this is getting a bit existential, but we all grieve differently, right? I mean, some folks are very quiet, very introspective, very reflective. Um, some people need to talk it out. Some people, you know, engage in, in some dark humor, like black humor, um, just to keep the mood light to break the tension. Um, I don't understand why that can't be true for an instance like that, right? Where, And I hope that, you know, again, I'm not saying that you know, I saw any of these um, any instance for, you know, some of the broader discussion that we're rightfully having about the problems in minor hockey and, and grassroots hockey and hockey culture in general. But hopefully that, you know, people do start asking questions of like, you know, after a loss, if you want to be reflective and stare at the bus window for the whole ride back to the hotel, cool, good for you. If you want to, you know, start saying, oh man, was I terrible and start talking about the, start talking about it to the guy next to you, hey, give her. If you want to just forget about it and play cards in the back, or I guess I don't play cards in 2021. You want to play your, um, your switch or God knows what go for it. Like it's, it's a game. Yes. There's some live, there's livelihoods on it, but you know, you're still human. Um, you're still entitled to deal with it as you would. Have you got a beard? You got to get primal. You heard me right. Got beard, get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal right now. Maybe you're that guy who has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will help stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. Their goal is to help others look good and live healthier lives through their use of natural oils. The products are free of harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet. I got to try some out. It is phenomenal. Makes my beard smell incredible. Soft. Softens the skin underneath. It is absolutely fantastic i use it every time that i get out of the shower primal origins makes balms oils and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel and beard products available this is due to the exotic carrier blend with oils like raspberry seed rosehip and chia seed oil all products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the u.s check out primaloriginoils.com to learn more about their full line of beard care products and use the code locked on for a 20 percent discount at checkout the combo kits make a great holiday gift, and if you're shopping for yourself, you'll be glad you did. Not only are the products and dedication to the quality top-notch, the company was founded for a noble cause. 
The founder, Stephen's mother, was injured in a car accident and the company was started to pay for her recovery and treatment. So we know that every other company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and feel in beard to the other companies you've used. We promise you, you will see and feel the difference. Remember the code LOCKEDON gets you 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. That's LOCKEDON at checkout for 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. Bet Online has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march towards the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. I've already read the book, and full disclosure, I read it a couple of years ago. So I'm also like you, forgetting that <laughs> some of the things that are in it. Um, you were like, "Was I, I can't remember if that's in the book," and I was like, "Oh no, I can't remember either." But um, let's say I want to buy this book for somebody. What's who's the type of person that would enjoy this book? I think I mean, there's there's some there's a sociological bent to it too. Um, you know, talking about you know why is know hockey one of canada's official sports it's not the official sport it's the official sport of winter how did that come about uh if you want to be sort of cynical about it it was crass political opportunism but you know a lot of it you know taking a look back at you know how did hockey become such a integral part of you know how some canadians view their place in the world um and and what are the costs and risks of uh oh, what happens if the Americans start beating us all the time? Um, just sort of taking a look at, you know, what hockey has traditionally meant to segments of Canadian society and, um, you know, maybe imagining a Canadian society where hockey is not front and center anymore. Um, it really is, it's about the game, but it's also about, you know, who we are and who we think we might be moving forward. And so personally, for me, the, the reasons that I really liked about it, or what I think what I got out of it is part of it is we talked about this before we started recording, right? Um, as many of our listeners know, uh, I'm a first generation immigrant. By the time we arrived here, I was already a little bit too old to be doing, you know, like, like children's hockey or anything like that. And I honestly didn't have an interest. I, the, the first NHL game that I watched, I was 18 years old already. So, you know, and then, so it gave me a lot of context as to why certain people are the way they are and why certain <laughs> things are the way they are um and it also i learned a lot about the history which i i did not have right coming into it as a fan uh in in the early 2000s and the like there's also like humor in it there's context but also like if you like beating people at trivia there's a lot in this book that you'll learn that you can use in trivia <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was really cool but it also like it it shows us uh, another side to some of the people that we already know that are, or the names that we know that are associated with hockey. I, I thought like there was a lot of insight um, into that as well. So I absolutely wholeheartedly recommend this book. I thought it was a great read and it is available wherever you buy books, order books. You can also order it in the States. And I checked all of that. I, I'm not going to mention any of the behemoth um, booksellers, but you can also get it. Like if, if your local bookseller doesn't have it, like chances are they can order it for you. That's that's the route that I recommend you go or get somebody to buy it for you for Christmas. 
Thank you very much. And, you know, the other thing is, too, it's, I mean, we're talking about, you know, hockey and getting into hockey. Um, like, you know, my wife isn't from Canada, but she moved here when she was 10. And what we found is that community, right? Like a hockey community can be really, really cool. Uh, I mean, you and I, Laura, met through an extension of hockey community, right? Like online and became friends in real life through a hockey community on Twitter back when you could actually make friends on Twitter and not just yell at people. <laughs> um, you know, what we found through hockey, and I think this is why, you know, I keep rambling on about this and sound vaguely passionate about it is because I am that, you know, the hockey community can be fantastic and it can be fantastic and make any big town feel like a small community um, because you're at the rink you can meet the local butcher, baker, candlestick maker at the rink that you might not otherwise. That, you know, my wife and I, you know, we've become friends with the, the parents of the, you know, the, the kids that our kids play with in hockey, in youth sports. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a weird traveling winter caravan and it can extend <laughs> really far and wide. And the whole point of this is, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could open up that community to anybody who wanted to access it? I think that's awesome. And not to continue to plug this one episode that we did last week, although we, we did really enjoy it. We talked to Nick Suzuki's mom, oh. uh, Amanda Suzuki, and uh, we talked about, you know, how she was talking about how it doesn't feel like a sacrifice, you know, putting two kids through hockey all the way to the NHL level. They both got drafted by the NHL um, and they're both really promising players. And, and, you know, they talked about how they didn't see it as a sacrifice. They also got to live a lot through, you know, having their sons in hockey, for example, they didn't go on certain family vacations because they were going to hockey tournaments, but they got a community out of it. They, they met great people out of it. They got to see parts of the world, you know, and, and, and as a result of that. Um, and so I thought that that was really, really interesting is the way that, you know, parents see uh, it's, it, they don't see it as a sacrifice. They see it as a, as a new community or a creation of a community. It absolutely is. I mean, you, you get to, you know, you get to spend time with your kids as well, right? Like you get that car ride um, to practice um, that's, you know, in busy times when everybody's busy, you've got work, you've got Slack, you've got email, you've got phone, you've got text, you've got anything else. Um, that's carved time out where, you know, I can sit there and chat with my daughter about, hey, what happened at school today? Or, you know, in the case of my daughter, hey, what banks are you going to rob next week? Like, um, <laughs> That's a very specific to my daughter, maybe. Um, but, you know, she's six and, you know, hopefully I'm able to continue this until she's 66, you know, and, and I guess my ultimate dream is to hold on to my beer league team until I can, you know, play with both of them on the same line and drag their coursey down and make them feel miserable. <laughs> I love it. And so for people who, well, actually, I was going to ask you, is there another book in the works? You know, it's funny. I mean, we're talking about kids. I think um, this one took three years and I missed a lot of dinner times and bath times and a whole bunch of other times. So I think I might hang out for a couple more years, potentially until I get to the age and it'll happen quick where they're sick to death of me and <laughs> they don't want me around. <laughs> and then I'll dive back in. Uh, until then, they seem to be not super annoyed with me. So I'm going to hang out for a bit. And until then, you can catch Sean's work at The Athletic. Uh, he does some really cool interviews with some really, really interesting people. And uh, once in a while, we'll do a feature and things like that. And it's just it's it's really, really interesting to see just how much range you have. And if you want to follow Sean on Twitter, let me get this right. So it's Sean <laughs> and then no underscore space or anything fits and then an underscore and then Gerald. Right. 
I, I haven't memorized it. I don't know. I just got a notification that yesterday was my 13 year Twitter anniversary and I still <laughs> oh, don't no. know my own Twitter handle. Doesn't that so make I'll you feel old? I'll take your word for it. It's very old. <laughs> it's, it's a horrifying amount of time to be on Twitter. And I believe I'm about like, I'm a few months after that is I'll hit <sighs> my 13 years. <laughs> All right. Thank we'll you have so the saddest much. birthday party ever. We'll have it together on Twitter. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. Thank you so, so much for your time. People follow, follow Sean on Twitter, read his work at The Athletic and also please buy his book. It is awesome. <laughs> I do recommend it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. So thank you everyone who tuned in and thank you, Sean, for giving us so much of his evening to record that absolutely fantastic pair of episodes. There's so much in there and we really hope you enjoyed that. And as we promised, it is our giveaway time. We are giving away a shirt from 514 Shirts. We have a tweet up where you can win stickers from JD Young's Etsy shop where you can get a small goals boy or power horse stickers. And we are also giving away a mask from Hey Shay's Etsy shop mask or scrunchie of your choosing or whichever you should choose. And the second keyword of this week is provost as in Claude provost of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we will be back with our mailbag on Friday. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Now, go check out Locked On Bets. They've been crushing it lately. Your boy Q and Lee Sterling have all the analysis you're going to need to dominate your be- to dominate any of your bets. Adios, everybody.